0: Welcome to the Absent Father podcast, a weekly conversation where we discuss the impacts in all areas of our life of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. I'm your host, Rodney Miller, executive coach, MBA, and son of an absent father. You can learn more about me and get in touch by visiting www.rodneymuller.com. We got greatness by choice. got gravity by chance Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Absent Father podcast. This is kind of a teaser episode for season two of the Absent Father podcast, which I am working on now. And I you haven't heard from me in a while because I felt like I ran out of things to say. And I'm really excited to hear your stories. Uh, to share other people's stories about growing up with an absent father, their impact, how they overcame it, uh, and all the things along the way. Um, I'm very excited. I've met a few of you. I have some people lined up uh, with some very, very inspiring stories. So I can't wait to share those with you. But as I was preparing for season two, I had this experience that I wanted to share with you So uh, back in February of this year, our car was stolen. Uh, We had a uh, Honda Pilot, and, uh, you know, it was a normal night. Uh, My wife was out of town, and I woke up in the morning, and uh, the previous night I had parked my vehicle in the, the back parking area that we have in our alley, and I wake up and go outside to... Uh, drink some coffee on the porch and I noticed that my car wasn't there so I I figured that it was probably just a uh, maybe somebody had parked it somewhere else or maybe you know did I borrow it to somebody I you know all these things going through my mind except for the fact that huh maybe my car was stolen so anyway to make a long story short the car was stolen um Apparently, we had left it unlocked, and there was a key that we didn't know about in the glove box. And so somebody drove it around uh, for a few hours and then ultimately crashed it a bit later um, but totaled the vehicle. So it wasn't all bad because uh, the car was older, and we got plenty of uh, car insurance money to, to replace it with a new vehicle. And that's the part that I want to talk to you about because we ultimately just purchased a new vehicle, but the process to get there took about eight weeks, uh, of which time I didn't have a vehicle, and it was, I realize now, totally crazy. I was a completely obsessed, kind of crazy person as we looked for a new vehicle. And I I really hated the entire process. So thought I'd share that with you today. And it was about six weeks into the car search process that I really realized that I was um, making this a lot harder than it needed to be. And I started to think about um, why that was. But first, I just want to share with you a little bit about, you know, I decided that I need a new car. And I want to share with you a little bit of the process that occurred for me and all the different ways that my mind thought and all the different options that we looked at. So first of all, I thought, wow, this is an opportunity to um, get a vehicle that I really like. The other one was much older, and I didn't really like it anymore. I didn't enjoy driving it. So we had been wanting this fancy yet used Audi Q5. It's a SUV, very fancy. I've never had a fancy car like that. And we go look at some of these cars. We really like them, but we're not buying new. So we're looking for the perfect used one. And when I buy pretty much anything, I reference the Consumer Reports. I love Consumer Reports. Uh, My mom taught me about Consumer Reports when I was younger, but I really realized it's like It's like the only thing that kind of takes the crazy about a purchase out of my brain and helps me to um, allow myself to at least move forward in the buying process. Um, But I couldn't pull the trigger because the Audi, it was more expensive. Um, I was afraid about whether it was going to be a good purchase. Um, I didn't feel like I could get a good deal. So then uh, going from, you know, spending on the more expensive side of that, well, I'll just take all the pressure off and buy something that I don't really like but is much cheaper. So then we looked at like some four-door Jettas and some other cars that really didn't work for where we are as a family right now. So then I started to look at other things that were maybe in the middle price and to make to summarize I just was looking all over the place trying to find this perfect unicorn car somehow and where it left us is you know six weeks into this car search process not having a car kind of suffering along without it and I had a conversation with a mentor of mine and uh you know she suggested a couple things one is um What if it didn't have to be that hard, number one? And secondly, what would it look like to to make a sober choice about purchasing a car? And that's kind of a weird or a funny word, sober, uh, how to soberly purchase this vehicle. But what I took from that question and what I started to look at is like, why am I so obsessed and so... Scared or focused on finding the right vehicle to the point that my thumbs were sore from sifting through my iPhone so often, to the point that I was getting less sleep, that I was looking at it all the time. And that's fine to do some research, but it wasn't moving me forward. I wasn't any closer to purchasing a vehicle. So one of the things that I realized, I, I just started to investigate, like, what is going on? Like, why am I so consumed uh, and anxious and scared or, or, or deliberate to make this purchase and have it be so perfectly? And what I realized is, um, first of all, there's, there's kind of two factors that are happening here with uh, purchasing a car. The most important thing for me is that the vehicle is reliable. The vehicle is reliable. And the second most important thing is that it's a good value. So I like a quality vehicle that makes me feel good, um, that is a good deal, right? And I don't think that I'm unique in wanting those two things, reliability and value, but for me... It is utmost. It's like there's no amount of perfection. And so I started to think about how is this related to uh, why is this so much – why is there so much extra energy in this for me Um, and particularly for me as the son of an absent father and, you know, when it comes to almost anything – as a, as a coach and a, and a healer, um, and a sort of a amateur philosopher, I suppose, I'm always thinking about what is going on internally that has me reacting this way or acting a certain way. And when I thought about reliability, um, and by the way, I just bought a, a scooter because I hadn't had a car yet. And then the scooter that I bought uh, a really cool Vespa it it stopped working and I was really sad about that uh, not because the scooter wasn't working because it's just I had felt let down and suddenly it occurred to me that I crave reliability and I really crave, I certainly crave reliability in people. I crave reliability in the food items that I order or the restaurants I go to. That's why I love to go to the same one because I know it's reliable to satisfy me. And when I was thinking about this major purchase of a vehicle and when I, you know, it represents freedom for me and, and it was important for me that it be reliable. And there's nothing... Uh, worse than imagining getting into my car uh, to leave somewhere or to get into my car to go somewhere and then that, that thing that I rely on in a very particular way, that it would let me down. And then it suddenly occurred to me, wow, of course, I would be really focused on things that I rely on being reliable. And I would be really sad or scared when they let me down. And obviously, um, you know, and I think as we've talked about this podcast and a lot of things that, that I've experienced, and I, I hope that you have resonated with both the, the challenges and the superpowers that come from that experience is that i um, at the core, we we kind of there's this pain inside, and certain things randomly trigger it, or, or certain things in our personality we we want to avoid, and we just kind of count that as because that's who we are. Um, and once again, I realize that I really value reliability in a car, because when I'm sort of wired to avoid things that are unreliable, because. Unreliability is painful, and of course, my absent father, who was, you know, unreliable to the point of being gone before I was born, uh, that's that's painful to relive. So why not figure out how to find things that are reliable? Uh, which is why I was delighted that uh, my wife really, really wanted a Toyota 4Runner, which is one of the most reliable vehicles ever made. And uh, so we are happy that we got. We ultimately soberly chose uh, a Toyota 4Runner, and we love it. She loves it, absolutely loves it. Um, so that's the that's the thing I wanted to share with you. Mostly the reliability piece, the value part. I think was also really interesting because this comes up around major purchases, and there's a lot of anguish and a lot of resistance. And even though I really wanted a car, I didn't want to buy one. I hated the process of going to the dealer. I hated the process of the uncertainty of whether the car was going to be reliable and whether it was going to be a good value. And so the last thing that I want to share is this whole value piece. And uh, one of the things that I was noticing even with this car is that I do this pretty much with everything in life. I do this when I buy a computer. I do it when I buy a phone. I do it when I buy... um, Pretty much anything. Uh, my, my wife is like, we should get our daughter a bicycle. And I was like, instantly went to this place of, now I need to research like the best value bicycle and the most reliable one. And that's not a bad thing, except for when uh, you're researching to the point of sore thumbs and you can't pull the trigger on, on purchasing something that you love. So this value thing, I realized that I am... I'm in some ways overly focused on value, um, like I have to get the the best deal, extract the most, the best possible value out of something for the least amount of money. And as I thought more deeply about that, and thought, oh, maybe there's a different way to look at this. Maybe I could uh maybe it would be okay if the dealer made a couple hundred dollars on the vehicle after all they're in the business of selling cars and any other business i would be like it's you know i would expect that you would make some money in that process so what i realized though is that what i'm asking myself to do when i go to buy a vehicle is i'm asking myself to exchange money a lot of money, which, you know, as we've talked about in earlier episodes, money to me um, from that wounded self really represents safety. Money represents safety. The more money I have, the more safe I feel. The less money I have, the less safe I feel. So in this case, I'm being asked to give up some safety in exchange for something I'm not sure is reliable or I'm not sure is going to give me um, a good value. And so with those fears, I'm afraid to let go of this perceived safety with money, and I'm really wanting to avoid being let down. Those two forces interact to really make it painful (laughs) at best, and at worst, slow me down or keep me stuck when it comes to um, buying something that I want and making a choice about having the car that I want. And in this scenario, it was hilarious. I was like, wow, these two things were keeping me stuck in such a way that I was suffering, which, you know, I I know how to suffer, but I was suffering without a car because of this these two things. And what I realized is that... Um, maybe it doesn't have to be so serious. Uh, you know, I'm not choosing a father here. I'm just choosing a car and, uh, some research is good. I did plenty and some level of a reasonable price is enough. So I wanted to share that with you. I I hope I'd love to hear what you heard in that for you. You're welcome to email me at me at rodneymiller.com, um, And uh, as I said, I would also love to hear from you. If you're interested in telling your own story of having an absent father, um, if you know someone who might be, I would love to be in touch with you. Um, I would look for these next 10 or so episodes to be coming out later this year. And uh, I can't wait to continue the conversation with you. That'll do it for today. Thank you so much for listening to the Absent Father podcast with Rodney Miller, a conversation where we discuss the impacts of growing up with an absent father, how to overcome them, and the superpowers we create along the way. So great to be with you. Look forward to season two. And if you have any ideas of people that you would love for me to talk to, please reach out to me. You can get in touch, of course, by visiting rodneymuller.com or emailing me at me, m e At RodneyMuller.com. Thank you so much. Until next time.